Hey friend, are you struggling to find consistent paid speaking gigs? Do you want to know the exact six steps that you can take to find and book more paid speaking opportunities in 2024? Well, we want to make that easy for you. We've created a new free resource with the help of Dan Irvin, one of our highly successful speakers on our team. Dan has booked over $100,000 in paid speaking gigs in the last few years, and his six-step process is going to help you maximize your chances of getting booked and paid to speak in any industry. You're going to learn how to get started prospecting, master discovery calls, and proposal emails and so much more. All you got to do is go to thespeakerlab.com slash steps and we're going to send you this 18-page guide straight to your inbox. Again, that is thespeakerlab.com slash steps and you're going to get that free guide. Hey, thanks for listening. You're awesome. Hey, what's up, my friend? Grant Baldwin here. Welcome back to the Speaker Lab podcast. So glad you are here. Glad you are joining us. This is the podcast that you need to be listening to if you want to build and grow your speaking business. If you want to be better on stage and off stage, uh, this is the place for you. Before we get to today's conversation, what we're going to be digging into and discussing, I know I've mentioned this to you before, but if you haven't done this already, you need to do this. You need to stop by freespeakerworkshop.com, freespeakerworkshop.com. There we offer daily trainings teaching you all about how how to find and book speaking engagements, how to get started, how to build and grow your speaking empire, how to share your message with the world. So again, stop by, check that out over at freespeakerworkshop.com. Again, that's freespeakerworkshop.com. All right, so today we're going to actually do part one of a two-part episode, two-part little series here where we're going to talk all about slides, all right? So slide decks, PowerPoint uh, presentations. I get asked questions about this pretty regularly. And to discuss this, we are bringing back our beloved co-host Miss Melanie Diesel. And so Melanie and I are going to debate all things slides. Today, we're going to talk about basically the content part of slides. We're going to be talking about the, the pros and cons of using slides, text, images, videos for slides, customizing slides. We're going to get into all of that today. On next week's episode in part two, we're going to talk about more of the tech side of slides. So make sure that you come back uh, next week for that. All right, let's uh, get right into it. Here's a conversation with myself and Melanie talking all about slides. Enjoy. What's up, friends? Grant Baldwin here. Hey, today joined once again by my co-host, Miss Melanie Diesel. Miss Melanie, how are you today? Pretty good. How about you? Doing well, doing well. At the time of this recording, you've been doing some international travel, just uh, making the rounds, doing some gigs. How those true. been going? It's good. Jet lag is just a way of life at this point. <laughs> that's part of the <laughs> part of the deal, right? And yep. so that's the thing. Like most of the time, like most speakers, like we don't we don't talk about, we don't really think about it. It's just like, oh, you just get to go travel, you get to speak, but like. It can be tiring. It's more exhausting yeah. than people can realize. Yeah. And people don't feel bad for you. They're no. like, oh, you were in Spain. Poor you. Yeah, It's not like the thing that you can really <laughs> complain about or make known to other people. No. Only Just speakers. Speakers, we get it. We can talk about it in this little safe space. That's right. All right. So today we're going to be talking about slides. And in fact, we're going to do a two-part series on this talking about slides. This is a question that we get some. And I've made my opinions known on slides. We'll get into those here in a minute. And admittedly, I don't use slides. And again, we'll, we'll touch on that in a second. So you have a lot more experience when it comes to slides. So today we're going to be talking about the content side of what should go on slides, when and when not to use them, all of that goodness. And then on the next episode, we're going to be talking about the tech side of slides. So Keynote versus PowerPoint versus a, you know, a PDF or what kind of format using their technology or your technology, all that stuff we're going to get into next time. So today we'll focus on the content. So let's start by talking about the pros and cons of slides, right? Of whether or not you should even use them. I'll let you go for the affirmative <laughs> side and I'll take the uh, the non-affirmative side. 
I mean, for me, you know, I'm team slides. Hopefully that's become clear now that we're, we're having a bit of a debate. But I'm team slides because I think it's really important to give the audience structure for your talk for certain kinds of talks. In my area where we're, we're teaching the audience how to do something, oftentimes it's helpful to be able to give them structure to show ideas or examples. And it's also, it really helps us keep everyone on the same pace and assist them in learning and keeping track of where you are. So if, for example, you're talking about a three-step process or a five-step process, helping the audience keep in the back of their head, okay, we're on step three, there's two more to go. They have an awareness of where you are in your your teaching journey. And I think for different types of talks, that may not be as important where it's more narrative-based, but oftentimes... For me, in a marketing context where it's very teaching and value-oriented, it is helpful to give them kind of a, a clue as to what we're teaching, how far we are in the process, and help them break down what we're talking about with any examples or illustrations. Yeah. I don't disagree with any of that. I, I'm, on, I'm on the same page <laughs> on that. I think where my hesitation on slides comes from is that oftentimes it's not necessarily in slides themselves, but in how speakers use them. In that oftentimes speakers can focus more on the slides than on the talk itself. So a couple of things I always like to tell other speakers is that your slides should be an enhancement, not a replacement for your talk. Meaning that if people are just, if you're reading off the slides, if people are just staring at the slides, then what's the point of the speaker? Like there's no need for you to be there. Just play a video like you're a substitute teacher or something. So if you're going to use a slide, just make sure they're an enhancement, not a replacement for your talk. The other thing that I see with, with speakers especially is because they get so focused on the talk, that they, they're more worried about the slides than the actual presentation. So I remember my wife attended a conference, um, this maybe a year ago, and she texted me. She's like, hey, I'm sitting in a workshop. Session was supposed to start 10 or 15 minutes ago, and the slides aren't working, and the speaker insisted that they cannot start until their slides work. And to me, it's just like, and I know you agree with this, like, then you're not ready. Like, you shouldn't be up there, you know? So it, like a good barometer, a good test is five minutes before you're supposed to go on. If your slides go down, you should be like, oh man, that sucks, but I'm fine. Like the talk still is stands on its own. It's still solid. So I'm not anti-slides. Like I totally agree. Like a picture is worth a thousand words. If you're telling some captivating story about some life experience, it's one thing to tell it. It's something totally different to show an image or a picture of the actual experience. You know, it just makes it more real. It makes it more tangible. But I just think most speakers tend to default on their slides. And I've been at conferences where I've been backstage and talking with speakers. And they're just reviewing slide, reviewing slide, reviewing slide. And it's just like, dude, don't worry about the slide. Like, worry, make sure the talk is ready. Make sure you're fully present with the audience and not just not just focused on the slide. So that's, I guess that's kind of where, where it comes from for me. Slides tend to be a crutch for, for a lot of speakers. I don't disagree with any of that either. <laughs> I actually, see, I we're think on the same we're, page. We're good. We're, we're on good. the same side here. And hopefully that's what this episode is going to do is if you are in a situation where you choose to use slides or you're being required to use slides, hopefully we'll give you some insights on what should be on them, what shouldn't be on them, and how you can make them, as we're talking about, additive and useful for your audience and not just a replacement for you and your presence on the stage. Totally. All right. So let's talk about that. What should and shouldn't be on slides? Uh, and again, you are someone, as we go through this, you're someone that uses slides. Do you always use slides? Uh, almost always. Yeah. Okay. Yep. And I hardly ever, rarely, <laughs> rarely, rarely use slides. And so, yeah, some of it is like a tech side. Some of it is just like, you know, maybe your, your content's going to be changing and you don't want to be glued to, I know we've talked about this a little bit before, of, you know, in the first 30 seconds, you're reading an audience and you can tell like, oh crap, like if that didn't work, then 20 minutes from now, that's not going to work. Well, crap, I got to stick to my script of the slides, mm -hmm. you know, and I can't rearrange things or go off at, at all. So, so you start to run into some of those type of things. So again, what, what should and shouldn't be on slides? What are your thoughts? So I use slides, I think, 
in a very minimal way. I'm not big on putting my full script on there. You know, I don't want everything that I'm going to say or every story that I'm going to tell, you know, needs to be illustrated with a slide. So for me, the slides function almost like a backdrop and kind of set the tone. So what that means is I use visual examples of things. I use a lot of very plain, almost stock photos just to kind of remind the audience, like, this is what we're talking about. This is what that right. looks like just to give them a, something visual to look at that that's behind me. So it's not a blank screen and it's keeping them on, on topic. They know what we're talking about and the, the example that I'm giving. The other thing that I do is I will often put just a single word up on a slide or a single statistic, a single number up on a slide. And that is there to remind them, okay, I forgot what word she's talking about. Or I forgot what the percentage right. was, but it's really just a cue to keep it reminded up there while I'm talking through whatever that example is, whatever that stat stands for and how it impacts them. So it's not the full explanation of why that word or that stat is important, but really just one single minimal example to kind of keep them reminded, keep them engaged as we're talking through whatever that might be. Should you do like a lot of, of bullet points and like long sentences or paragraphs or like at what point is, because <laughs> it just feels like you should err on less is more, right? Right. And so, so what, like where should you draw the line on there's way too much crap on this slide? I mean, I think this is increasingly difficult. You know, we be, we have become as people sort of desensitized to a massive amount of information, right? We see, we get so many notifications. So we're somewhat desensitized to what too much information really means. Yeah. I think what's important to think about is the slide that you have is going to be behind you, right? In most situations, most stage situations where you are, that slide is behind you. So people will have two options to look at you and engage with you or to look at and read your slide. And so that's why you really want to make sure that you're not overloading it because if you've got too many words up there, people can't listen to you and read at the same time. So you are inviting them to ignore you if yeah. you put too much on the slide. So, you know, keeping it minimal, don't put long full sentences on there. Don't line it up with a hundred bullet points, you know, that you're going to expect them to read. And one of the mistakes I see speakers make a lot is they will throw up a slide with 10 bullet points and say, you don't actually need to read all these, but and then my first thought is, well, then why did you give them right. to us? Right. Don't <laughs> so, yeah, put it up there because I'm going to want to read it. Exactly. And then if they're reading it, they're not listening to you. So you definitely want to keep your slides as minimal as possible. Focus on visuals. Focus on key words and key phrases. Do not try to put your entire script up there because, again, these should not be prompts or, or crutches for you to make your way through the content. Yeah, it's not cue cards for you. It's for right. the audience. It's, it's, not, it's not for you. So, again, if you want to use it for as a cue here and there, fine. But again, that should be a very, very secondary thing. And it's going back to like the anything, like just removing anything unnecessary. It's kind of like, like from a speaking perspective, when you're telling a story, like make sure you're only telling pieces of the story that move the story forward. So if you're like, you know, so, you know, last week I was at, at the grocery store and oh, they had this sale on grapefruits. Let me tell you about this. And actually, let me tell you about the first time I tried a grapefruit. This is a funny story you're going to love. And it's like, it has nothing to do with where the story is. It's just this random tangent. Think about that with your slides. Like if you're putting it up there and it really doesn't move again, it's not an enhancement and it doesn't generate any more interest in the story or what it is that you're talking about, then just cut it. Like there's no need to have it at all. And I actually think this is a good point to mention. Many times when I talk to speakers who are having that problem, they can't cut down their slides. Their slides are feeling too packed, too much information. They feel like they want to make sure that, that the leave behind, right? The, that the slides that are left behind for the audience as a reminder are going to be valuable for them and they'll remember what they said. And they feel if my slides are too minimal, then leaving behind my slides doesn't do anything for my audience. So I always just like to point out if this is something that you're struggling with, you've been asked to leave a copy of the slides as a reminder for folks, you can provide two different versions. Yeah. You can provide a version that is designed for you to be on stage with minimal distraction behind you. 
and create a second version that has more of those bullet points, more of the full sentences, and serves as a reminder of the things that you said, but not a replacement for you saying those things on the stage. So if that's something you're dealing with, you can definitely create two different versions and not have to grapple with that on stage. So as it relates to specifically like text, then because you mentioned that you basically have either images or maybe a couple of words, not Mm -hmm. a ton of stuff there. Are there certain fonts that you should use or how big or how small should text sizes be? Any thoughts there? Yes. I think when we think about our slides, oftentimes we think, well, this is going to be on a screen that's about 60 feet wide. So I could just use 12 point font and it'll be fine. And it doesn't quite work that way. Right. One of the things that works really well is making the font, you know, the, the text size, the font size as big as possible, right? You don't want it to be obnoxious. You don't want it to fill the entire screen, but you want to make it nice and clear and easy to read. And in order to do that, you can often use caps, use all caps. And I know that in an interpersonal context, that feels like yelling. But if you're just putting up a keyword on a slide, it really makes it nice and easy and clear for people to read, especially when you think of how far back they may be from the stage. And sometimes there's really undesirable lighting conditions. It may not be easy to see. So that works really well. The other thing you want to watch out for with your text is really high contrast. So what this means is a big difference between the color of the text and the color of the background. So white text on a yellow background, no one's going to be able to read that. You know, right. That's why you see a lot of black and white or black text on a very light colored background or vice versa. If the background is a very dark color, a black, a navy, a brown even, then you can use something like white or beige as a text to kind of make it pop. So those things will definitely help. In terms of fonts, you know, and we'll talk more about this in the next episode where we talk more about the tech side of things, but fonts can be a really tricky area. You know, oftentimes this is where you run into an issue with things not displaying properly. So again, keep it simple. Use a very basic font. You don't need to have something that's like over the top, super designed, unless this is part of your brand, unless you are a designer of some kind, and this is very important. Opt for what works for your audience over what feels nice and looks pretty for you because you are ultimately there to serve your audience. And if they can't read the text on your slide because you've chosen some fancy font with flourishes and big cursive, yeah, cursive, swirly fonts like that's that's not going to serve your audience well. So don't, don't overdo it with the, the font selection. One thing that you may also consider is when you are attending a conference is to try going to a session or two before yours and sit at the back of the room where you can get a gauge of, all right, this is what it's going to be like to be an audience member. And can I actually read what's on the screen? And can I see the speaker and the movements that they're making? And whenever they're pointing out something in an image, can I actually see that from the back of the room? And a lot of it, again, obviously depends on the size of the room and the size of the screen and some of those different variables. And because it's always different, you want to make sure that you're doing the best job possible to make sure the slides are custom in terms of how they're displayed for that specific audience and for that specific venue. So the more kind of like, again, little bits of research that you can do ahead of time to make sure that you mitigate some of that, the the better off you'll be. Yeah, exactly. And and I think much like what we were saying before, the key thing in terms of the text is really just keeping it as minimal as possible. And, you know, that, again, it serves your audience and and that's what they're there for. They're there to learn from you. They're there to take something away from you. And so you want to serve that up to them in the way that makes the most sense for them. And that is going to depend, you know, on the venue in many cases. So always having that ability to scope it out ahead of time can be a big help. All right. So we talked about the text side. Let's talk about images side of things. How do you use images? Images for me are, I use them as illustrations. So like I said, I'm a big fan of using very minimal stock photo type images, you know, that you can get fairly cheap licenses for or use free commercial, you know, no no rights managed photos that you can use for a background. And for me, that just kind of keeps the pace moving, right? It's easy for the audience to see and understand when I've transitioned from one thing to another, it just kind of keeps the pacing. 
The other thing I'll use images for oftentimes is to show an example or steps of a process. So, you know, if you're doing something very technical where you're saying, here's how you go and change the settings in this software that I'm teaching you how to use, it would be very helpful to say, okay, here's you clicking on this menu. Here's you selecting the third option. Here's you clicking save, you know, to show them very, very specifically what that looks like. In a marketing context, this might mean showing an example of a piece of work. So this is the billboard we made, or this is the article we wrote. Being able to show those things, like you said before, you know, show, don't tell is one of the things that I talk about on the stage and the importance of being able to demonstrate that for your audience. Sometimes it's easier just to show something than to try to describe it in great detail. And it's a more efficient use of your stage time. Right, right. Do you do anything, like how do you make sure that an image does look okay? Because obviously, again, the, the, when it's on a screen, it could become more pixelated. It could, could become more difficult to, it almost just like defeats the purpose of having the image up there. So is there anything that you do just to make sure that that it looks good ahead of time? Yeah, definitely. Because the one thing we don't want to do is like, like we're saying, we don't want to have things up there just to have them. And the goal should be to only focus on an image or parts of an image that are useful. So again, if you, you should be strategic with the way you crop your photos, right? If there's only one small portion of an image that's relevant for your audience or for the story you're telling, crop that in, make sure you're focused on just the parts that are beneficial. The other thing you can do, and I can't even remember where I learned this, but this is like one of my favorite little hacks. So if you're using PowerPoint, and I'm sorry if you're using Keynote, I'm sure there's a way to do this. I just can't tell you. But in PowerPoint, if you have an image and you double click on it, an option appears in the top of the screen. This is remove background. And this allows you to select just the parts you want and then remove completely the background from the other thing. So as an example, Grant, maybe we have this great photo of you on the stage, but the background happens to be really distracting. And we just want you with the microphone. I could double click on that, remove all the background, and it would just be a nice white, you know, a nice outline of you with your microphone and the background would be removed. So that is just a way, again, to help your audience focus their attention on only the things that are necessary. You know, you don't have these big cluttered images. It's not a, a search and find the clue to see why this photo is relevant to you. Right, right. One of the things that you mentioned earlier was when you're using stock photos and so making sure you're using royalty free. Can you speak a little on that or where you find photos? I, many, many years ago, I made that mistake and got some not so friendly letters from a, a company. But so because I, I think sometimes people are confused like, oh, I, I found an image on Google and therefore it's <laughs> copy and paste. And so it's different than, you know, if you're taking a picture on your phone and you want to use that because you took the picture. But for finding a picture online, especially something like like a stock photo, how does that work and how do I know if I can use that or not? Absolutely. So one of the things, you know, try to remember that photographers are artists just like you are. You wouldn't want someone to take your talk and go give it for you or take an article off your website and present it as their own. So the same thing is true for photos. So if you are using these photos, you want to look for a couple of things. So there's something called Creative Commons. And I'm not a lawyer, so by all means, look this up, dig into this, make sure you've got your bases covered. But generally speaking, Creative Commons images are usually free for use and don't require you to attribute it. It means that that artist has taken this image with the intent of it going out into the world in as many ways as possible. Now, granted, these images aren't usually the highest quality. They're not going to be images of famous people or trademark brands or anything that is owned by anyone. This is where you see generic businessman walking with generic briefcase (laughs) and a generic street, right? But sometimes that is useful. So look for Creative Commons images. Sometimes you'll see images labeled as rights managed. And what that means is there's some conditions to it. So perhaps you can use it, but you must include the artist's name. And that might be fine to put at the bottom of your slide if that photo is really important. So, you know, definitely look into that. 
One of the places I use all the time is called Pixabay, P-I-X-A-B-A-Y. And that actually, you can search for any term, you know, you want to search for, I need an image of someone holding a cell phone, or I need an image of a brainstorm of people, you know, writing on a whiteboard, just to kind of illustrate some key points. You can do that. And you can also search by whether it's Creative Commons or rights managed, et cetera. So again, you know, you can't just Google something and drag it into your your own PowerPoint, one of the best ways to get around this is to create your own assets. So making your own charts, making your own graphics, designing your own slides, or having someone do that for you. If it's your intellectual property, you won't run into these issues. If you were having someone to design your slides, is there anywhere that you, do you do your own slides or do you go somewhere? I do my own slides. Okay, no shame. I do, but to be fair, my background from the, the journalism and the marketing side of things, oftentimes my responsibilities were to create tons of PowerPoints in a very short span of time for marketing purposes. So it happens to be something that I'm efficient at. But if you are not efficient at it, if it takes more time than it's worth, there are definitely designers out there, freelance designers who can help with this stuff. And I haven't used any of them, but I know there are services out there that will design your slides for you as well. Okay, cool. All right. So we talked about images. Let's talk about video and audio. Do you use any video or audio? And that seems like there's a lot of things that go wrong with that. Yeah. And again, you know, that's what our next episode is going to be about, right? How do we make sure that all these beautiful slides we design actually work the way they're supposed to? But for me, I see video and audio as a variable that I can control, right? You never know if something's not going to show up. It's not going to play. It's playing, but there's no sound. It plays and the sound is insanely loud and everyone's eardrums are blown out. So I try to keep that stuff to a minimum unless I can tightly control the situation and have a chance to test it appropriately. Yeah. The one thing, again, is much like the other things we're talking about, you don't want to use video as a substitute for your own storytelling. This is a, a common thing where someone's trying to give a case study or tell a story about something that happened to them. And then they just throw up a three minute video that tells that story for them. You've just taken all of your power and given it to a video. Yeah. You know, your power on stage is lost. So again, if you're going to use video, same thing with the with the text and with the images, make sure that it's adding to your point, it's underscoring something you've said and that you're not allowing those tools to do the storytelling for you. Yeah, makes sense. One thing that uh, I'd mention is especially with images and video is uh, and I've mentioned this before, but this is a great way to insert humor into your presentation. So a lot of people are like, hey, can, you know, I want to be funny. I want to use more humor, but I I'm, don't feel like I'm naturally funny or I don't know if this joke is going to work on stage or not. And so oftentimes images and videos can work really well for that. So I saw this a couple of years ago, I was speaking at a conference and the keynote presenter was a friend of mine. He's a funny speaker, but he showed a very, very funny video in the middle. It was just a 30 second, 60 second video that was very, very funny. Got a great reaction from the audience. So right after that, I was doing a workshop about speaking. And I said, hey, how many of you guys like the previous speaker? Everybody said, oh, yeah, he was great. What did you like most about it? Or I remember asking it like, did you guys think he was a funny speaker? And everyone's like, oh, yeah, he was hilarious. I said, what was the funniest part of his talk? And everybody said the video. It wasn't him doing anything, but they associate the humor that was presented with him being funny. And it was really a matter of him hitting play. So mm-hmm. finding humor through images, through videos, things that you find funny things, that, especially like in this day and age, whether it's some, you know, animated GIF, GIF or GIF, what do you go with? GIF. I'm, I'm in the GIF camp. Okay, that's fine. I don't have strong opinions. I'm good either way there. <laughs> so, you know, finding an animated GIF, finding a, a quick 30 second video, some 15 second video that was floating around the internet that got a good reaction that can just illustrate the point and add it in a humorous way can be really, really powerful and effective. But I would agree with you. Like, there's a lot of things that can go wrong with audio and video and hitting play and just <laughs> praying that it works. Yeah, because that that moment was super funny. But if he hit play and nothing happened, it yeah. would have been 
not so funny. Well, and you that's, know, and so, like, that's where a lot of speakers also panic and be like, oh, oh, this funny video. Like, okay, so here's what was going to happen. Or, oh, I so wish you guys could see it, but oh, well, I guess we can't. And then you're just like, mm-hmm. the audience uh-huh. feels like, oh, I feel like I lost out on something that I 30 <laughs> seconds ago, I didn't even know I had, you know? Yeah. And the other thing to be careful of too, is that sometimes we talked about using video in place of storytelling. The other really easy crutch is to use it and it it sort of invites your audience to disengage, right? The video goes on and they go down to their phone or they're not fully engaged because you're not there. Because yeah. when that video goes hits play, oftentimes the lights dim down or you're turned around looking at the video on the screen. It really kind of like breaks that connection that you have with the audience. I think one of the things that's awesome about audio is it almost does the opposite. So we, we know a speaker, uh, Jay Bear, mm-hmm. I've seen him do some really impressive stuff with audio on stage in an instance where you would normally put up a quote from someone or, you know, an example of someone saying something as text on the screen. Instead, Jay has used audio. And what that does is he says, I'm going to play the quote. And suddenly everyone's ears perk up because, you know, I have a job now. It's my job to listen. And this is going to be important. And so it kind of keeps everyone pacing the same way. And you don't have that awkward moment of putting up text hoping everyone's read it, or maybe they're ignoring you while you're saying something else. So audio, I actually think is something when you can control the tech, when you know that it's going to work and you're, you're doing it properly, I think that's a great way to kind of re-engage the audience and keep them moving at the same pace instead of letting them get pulled away by reading instead of listening. Yeah, that's a really good point, especially with audio about how it can really enhance and, and I don't know, kind of emphasize what a speaker is saying. So I think this is on YouTube, but like you can watch movie trailers without the background music and it just like it just it's boring it's super super boring but you add the music element to it just a background thing and it really really brings up like your interest and engagement i saw a speaker several years ago who did something similar and like the last i don't know maybe three four minutes of his talk it was kind of coming to a final culmination push you know here's your next step type of thing and he had kind of this like i don't know motivational type music and it wasn't hokey it wasn't cheesy but I mean, it was just like, oh man, we're all ready to run through walls now. It just felt like it just added a different element to it that was really, really powerful and really, really effective. That again, like just adding one more layer beyond just I'm a human with a mic and you know, listen to me do my song and dance. And I think what you just said is cool because it really speaks to what we're talking about, which is in service of the audience, right? That music served a purpose and then it made you feel something that ultimately served that speaker's goal. He was trying to make you feel something and that music contributed to that feeling. So in the same way, if you're using audio, you're using video, text, images, video, whatever it is, make sure that, again, it's not just for the purpose of having it there. It's not just because you think music would be cool, but it's because these things are serving your mission and the message you want to get across to your audience. So you've spent all this time making all these slides. Are you spending any time customizing each time? Because uh, like with your talk, the talk has pretty well set, you know, from one presentation to the next. But what do you do with your slides? Are they the same every time? It's just like, this is it, copy and paste? Or how does that work? So I think this is one of the mistakes that a lot of speakers make early on. They think they have to build a completely new presentation each time they give a talk, if they're a speaker who uses slides. And this can be super time consuming, especially because, like you said, if you have your talk down and you're trying to find new and novel ways to demonstrate that or showcase it or visualize it each gig, I mean, that that's just a ton of work. So there are a few easy things you can do to kind of make the deck feel new, feel custom, and truly, again, show up in service of the audience, make them feel like this is made for them without a ton of extra work. So one of the things I talked about is, you know, I have those stock images that I often use just to illustrate key points. I add a slight color filter to those things. And I will, what I will do is match that color filter to the theme of the event or the logo of the company or whatever that might be. 
So, you know, if I've got that, I have one where I talk about the importance of your audience and I have a shot of, a, of stadium seats, right? Showing all the different seats. If I'm going to a company that has a logo that's blue, those might be tinted blue. The next week I'm at an event where perhaps the event is themed purple. Well, then that's going to have a light purple tint. So it's the same content, but it's really feeling more custom. Another thing you can do is ask if the event has a hashtag. Now, this is probably much more applicable if you're in a conference environment or an association environment, probably not so much in like a school or a faith-based environment if they're, you know, it's, or especially in an internal corporate meeting. But if there is a hashtag, it's really easy to create one of those that will just live in the bottom corner of your presentation, present on every page. And it, again, it feels like it's something that's, that's definitely just for this presentation. And you can do the same thing with an event or a company logo in the opposite corner. So again, kind of like watermarking the presentation to feel super custom really makes it feel like you built this just for them. I've heard of other speakers who will have like basically one file with hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of slides in it. They're really only going to use 50 of them. And so they're just pulling out the 50 that they need, tweaking a few of them, tweaking a couple of examples. They've got, yep. you know, an archive or a bank of, of 30 different case studies. And so here's the, th- the four that are going to be relevant to this specific audience that may be totally yep. different from a, a different audience. And so they just pull from those, put them together. And so it's not like they're recreating it. They're just kind of maybe drag and dropping order and right. adding like a few little custom pieces for, you know, putting the name of the conference and sometimes that's all it takes. Like I remember a uh, uh, a client a couple of years ago that was like really hammering, like, "Hey, we really want this to feel like this is for us." And so, really, I just tried to. I mentioned the theme a couple of times. I mentioned the name of the conference a couple of times, and like she was blown away. She's like, "Oh, this was perfect." And I was like, on my end, it didn't feel like I had to do much for it to feel custom to them. So yeah, it feels like just doing something little there is enough to make them feel like. Yeah, that feels like it's for, it's like they made these slides specifically for us. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, I think sometimes you'll get a situation where an event, especially again in a conference or, you know, a a bigger event situation where they're going to send you a template. In my experience, the template is more of a suggestion. What I will often do is use the opening slide to match the template and the closing slide, because that's the information that might be up there for longer than anything else, right? So we maybe they want the opening slide to feel consistent as people are flowing into the room or as people are switching between sessions. So I will often do that. And then I try to pull in, you know, whether it's a bar across the bottom or again, the hashtag or the logo or the color scheme, pulling those into the slides that I have. Because again, I know that the information I have, it's time tested. I've, I've used these slides for many audiences. I know that this is the best way to give that audience value. So I don't want to over-design it to fit some template if that's going to get us worse results for the audience. And generally speaking, if you talk to the event organizers and they feel like you've made that effort to, like you were doing, talking about bringing the event into your presentation, they will often be okay with that. Do you put your contact information on any slides? I've seen that like, and some people may put their Twitter handle on like the lower third. So it's there throughout. And then some people just have like one thing at the end. So what do you do? I think a lot of this, again, it depends on the context of the event that you're going to. For me, in a marketing context, oftentimes the events that I'm going to, they have a hashtag, they're encouraging people to tweet. And so it makes sense. And it's to my advantage as a speaker, as building my brand, to have my Twitter handle on the bottom. That way, when people are tweeting out the photos of me, I can download them later. I can retweet. I can engage with my audience. So in those contexts where Twitter is really common, I do keep my Twitter handle there. I've seen other speakers do other things. I've seen speakers straight up put their phone number at the end and say, hey, text me. We'll meet up, you know, after the event. Uh, I think a lot of it just has to do with your comfort level and, and how you want people nope, to connect. Nope, 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 nope. <laughs> I wouldn't. But yeah, I, there's an author guy that I know who um, is a, it's a best-selling book. It sold hundreds of thousands of copies. 
like very makes it clear like he prints his phone his cell phone it's on the cover the, yeah it's like at the uh, it's somewhere in the book but it's just like yeah call me anytime and he gets texts and calls all the time so but like that that works for him like that's mm-hmm. kind of his brand that's kind of his thing and that's you know there's no shame in that yep that's not me sounds, i stick with the twitter handle yeah, that's, that's a little safer <laughs> Yeah. All right, so we've, we've really covered a lot here as it relates to content. Again, next episode, we're going to be talking about the tech side. Anything else that we need to hit here on content? I don't think so. I mean, I think just to kind of underscore the things we've talked about throughout, whatever you ultimately put on your slides, whether it's text, image, video, audio, or something else, just make sure that it's necessary and that you're keeping it minimal. Because again, you do not want your slides to be a distraction from what you are saying. You don't want them to be an alternative thing to engage with. You want them to help underscore your points and really drive it home, the message that you, that's coming out of uniquely your mouth, right? We don't want to create an alternative. We don't want to compete with our slides. Yeah, totally. And again, like we were talking about earlier, you can use slides. Slides are great. They can be a great tool, a great enhancement to a presentation. They need to be an enhancement, not a replacement. All right. So if uh, you're just focused more on your slides than the talk, then you are not ready. Make sure that the talk is ready and it can stand on its own. All right. So uh, looking forward to talking about uh, text tech on the next episode. All right, there you go. Hope you enjoyed that conversation about slides. Remember that next week we're going to have part two where we're going to be talking about the tech side of slides. We're going to talk about uh, dimensions of slides, format of slides, sending slides ahead of time, using your computer versus theirs. We're going to get into a lot more as it relates to having slides as a speaker. So make sure you come back for that. Also, make sure you register for that free workshop that we talked about earlier. You can find that over at freespeakerworkshop.com. Again, that's freespeakerworkshop.com where we're going to walk you through a step-by-step system on exactly how to find and book paid speaking engagements. So again, make sure you check that out over at freespeakerworkshop.com. All right, my friends, that wraps up today's episode, episode 190. We will catch you next time. You're awesome.